Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sander Lanch podcast. We're back after our break of one week because I was on a boat and unable to record things. But we are here with uh, we today. We are discussing chapters 22 and 23 of Warbreaker by Brandon Sanderson, wherein Light Song plays some a, a game. I was going to say some games, really one game, and then uh, unless you count the flirting as a game, Vivena and Co. make maybe question mark progress on uh, their goal to undermine Halandrin's ability to fight a war. And then Light Song and Blushweaver meet Mercy Star, and uh, we hear a little bit about the other side of the perspective. Last last time we saw Vasher invade Mercy Star's palace, and now we, we see the other side of that coin. So I'm Data, and with me today is Joe, Jamie, and Dak. Everyone's here. Yay. So hang on to something, everybody. The Sander Lanch is about to begin. To emerge and to breathe anew For a purpose so far from my own And this world I've awoken to Seems familiar but somehow unknown And the branches of gold on the skyline Reach out to the sweep of the stars The beginnings and endings of lifetimes A guidance of light from afar so yeah, we had two chapters. The first one, a pretty long chapter. What did you guys think of these two? Hey, I mean, yeah, it was a long chapter. You're not joking around. Uh, yeah, I think you mentioned it earlier. Not a lot actually happens in these chapters. Not a ton anyway. It's mostly just inner monologue stuff. But, you know, with all that being said, I actually really enjoyed these chapters. I'm finally interested in what Light Song's doing as opposed to the rest of the book where I have not been interested in what he's doing. I like mysteries, so uh, even though we kind of know what happened, there's obviously like another layer to Vasher infiltrating Mercy Star's palace that we don't know, so I am interested in that from his perspective. So yeah, that was pretty cool. The stuff with the Vivenna, interesting. We got a, a few little knowledge nuggets sprinkled in here. We've got some maybe backing to uh, Dax's theory that Denth is not who he appears to be he's pretty showed us some pretty badass moves and so yeah that's uh interesting stuff for sure i'm excited to see what happens next yeah 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 um yeah it definitely it came up before like if they're just these regular old mercenaries then you know what's right. uh what's so impressive and now it's like oh no he's apparently really impressive because according to him yeah. at least people are just like oh yeah he just, they just want to see how awesome my swordsmanship is Right. I will say, like, the whole drab thing, which I think I maybe touched the book touched on this before, but then but like people not being able to sense drabs when they mm-hmm. have a lot of biochroma. That's interesting to me. It's like, well, then could you use drabs to, like, infiltrate places with lots of biochroma because nobody would like sense them? But anyway, that's an interesting point. I don't know that we've seen like somebody using their life sense is like a, a guard sort of thing, but I could see how if if that was a thing that people did. And yeah, it seems like a, well, a reasonable kept... thing to have a guard do is like, yeah, keep a lookout and have some life sense going so that if somebody comes by, you know. Yeah, well, it's just like, you know, she remarks because she's not used to the biochroma that like people are surprising her now, drabs and lifeless because it's like she she can't sense them. So she doesn't like think about them being there. Yeah, and I guess it really is. You know, she's she's not used to like she's always had one breath, which I guess gives you 
it seems to indicate at least some degree of like like it's like that's how you know when somebody's watching you and so they're, they're like that that's what you attribute that to even if you just have the one breath and it's just like enhanced if you have a bunch so but i guess she's not used to like it being as sharp as it is but she's gotten used to it pretty quick if she's just like yeah like i'm surprised when it doesn't happen now i mean i guess that's just it's not even something that she had to learn it's like it existed in her body and now it's like a part of her experience so it's right, like yeah. it's not something that like she had to teach herself how to do it just was there yeah it would be weird to have and like i said i guess it's not a new sense because they said it's just enhanced but it's almost like getting a whole new sense to add to your five senses or whatever i feel like it would be disconcerting i think yeah i think the sense that maybe added there is like the sense that everything is connected like color sound pitch all that stuff Mm. like i feel like the way it's described these biochromatic stuff it's like it makes you feel like the entire world is connected so you have this sense of connectedness that your body didn't experience before and when it could be jarring to see a drab in that sense because it's like they're disconnected yeah so because i'm assuming biochrome is investiture so like if you're if you're talking about everything is invested in the entire planet the colors the sounds the smells and then you have an, a, a thing or object that exists and you sense the connectedness between everything and you have a thing or an object that exists that is not connected it would when you when you visualize when you visually see it or feel that it's disconnected it would be a little jarring i feel like yeah that's a good point uh yeah these two chapters i i thought we were going to get a little bit of action in the middle there when uh Den started getting his stabbing on but I I'm not disappointed we didn't go that way. I think there was a lot of like little bits and pieces in these uh, two chapters that were a bit of fun and, and provoking a little bit of thought for the future. Some of my thoughts I will share for the end. But yeah, I agree. I'm glad Light Song is finally doing something and he seems to be in his element there. The I think it's gonna get interesting for Vena now that sort of word is out that she's around. It's gonna become a bit more dangerous, but I do feel like we're on the cusp of some things that are going to happen. I really don't like Blush Weaver. don't like her character at all, but that's okay. We'll see. Hopefully she can redeem herself later somewhere. <laughs> what did she do this week that you're just like, uh, this uh, She's just, she's just, it's like, you know what? Just be nice to the person who, was it Mercy Star? Just yeah. be nice. Like, don't, don't always seize your opportunity. Just, just comfort the person, you know? You don't have to be completely political minded the entire time you're just not very nice but like even when she's being your friend she's not your friend there's something in it for her yeah i just i don't like that type of person it, it, it's weird because because light song i feel like knows this and at the same time he's not like worried about it in his own case yeah i guess though he has an awareness of that's what blush weave is doing oh most of times an idea she's she's vulnerable and has just been you know effectively robbed someone's broken in and doing god knows what in an area that she thought she was really secure she's going through a lot of stuff right now and blush weaver's in there just being like oh but if you come and join us you know this will be better for you and like at least light song knows what blush weaver's doing and can make informed decisions it's true i feel like he should be more worried about this than he is but that's me that's me and maybe he will be more worried about it maybe the best thing you could do is you know, stay close to your enemies right Mm. she's not quite an enemy but i reckon she's not far off but at least if he's in he knows what's going on that's true uh these chapters were okay 
reading these chapters, it was really apparent to me. Like the one, the characters I find, the perspective characters I find really interesting are Va- uh, Vasher and Siri. So when we get some decent chapters without them, it was noticeable. Mm. Like the Venice stuff is okay, even if like the Mercs continue to grate on me a bit. <laughs> but Light Songs. I agree with Joe. Like when he starts doing his crime scene investigator investigator stuff at the end, that was interesting. But until that point, I'm just like, man, you're really not doing it for me. And your supporting cast are frankly irritating as hell. Blush Weaver is yeah, she's she's just an irritating femme fatale. Mercy Star is just like panicky Pete over here. And then you've got him playing croquet with the like with the upper class snobs. And I'm like, oh my god, I, like, I did not expect this. So. Yeah, I'm, Light Song's bits are like just kind of a drag for me at this point. Yeah, the Venice stuff was, um, was was fairly interesting. I liked meeting the criminal underworld, and they're just like, oh, you've got a fake princess, eh? How much do you want for him? Like, oh god, this is getting dark. Yeah, how much time that stuff was that? Yeah, but like, like her her her, her stuff was pretty interesting, but Light Song's was just really pulling me down this week. It, it, it was interesting because I, I think this is the first look that we get at other than Light Song and Blushweaver at the court of the gods. I don't really count what we've seen of the God King because he's not really part of the Yeah, he's not group. part of the... Yeah, like, we're, we're meeting more and more of the gods, and, like, the more of them we meet, I just realize, I don't like any of you. You're, <laughs> you all kind of suck. You're, like, and I get it. It's, it's probably intentional because, like, building off our theories we've already made, the priests are fattening them up, keeping them, you know, decadent and lazy and foolish and unaware of what's going on so that the priests have the real control. So it all makes sense in the context of what we read, but that doesn't make it easier to read, like, the snotty-nosed bars going, I say, excellent shot, Light Song, old boy. I'm like, oh, piss <laughs> off. This is, I'm sorry, the, game, the game is fascinating because of how ridiculously complex it seems. Oh, and 100%, that is intentional. Brand's just like, a, how dumb can I make this? <laughs> and, like, so to the point where everything Light Song... Do, I, did, I did think it was funny how Light Song is deliberately fucking up as bad as he can, and he still comes out winning. He's like, what do I have to do to lose? Yeah, he's he's like, I, I can't even really try to lose because I've never learned the rules, so I just yeah. do random shit. Yeah. Like, I, I will grant that was very funny, but, like, as soon as the, like, he, the gods he was with started talking, I'm just like, I hate all of you. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, I think one of the annotations is like, I'm sure, I'm sure fans will come up with the rules for this game at some point. I'm not sure they have, uh, but probably someone has tried. I want to, I want to create a rival to Quidditch that's somehow even more ludicrous. Yeah, well, I don't know. Quidditch has always bothered me because of how unimportant all the positions are except for Harry's. Yeah. Like that's, it's, it's like a deeply offensive sport to me in, in some ways, but uh, this <laughs> one is just so strange. <laughs> Yeah, well, they tried to make up for it, right, with the the fourth book. The person that caught the snitch didn't win. Yeah, yeah. I think she, I think she had to go out of her way to start including those things specifically because people had that complaint. Yeah, it's true, and so it's like, well, but look, it happens at the the world the World Cup, but at the same time, it's like, okay, yeah, but that like that's like if you had to make how many would there'd be like ten touchdowns or fifteen or something or like thirty or fifty baskets in basketball before it mattered yeah it's like any of those man, baskets it's like man if you guys sucked this much how did you make it to the final of the world cup to start with uh, so yeah no we don't need to, to dive into harry potter but uh, <laughs> it, actually when I, I was on the boat there was a harry potter trivia and 
one of the questions was like, what's the name of the first chapter of the first book? And uh, mm, the boy who lived. Yeah. I, I, I did know that the other people I was with did not know that. And I was like, I mean, if Joe were here, he could just be naming off all the chapters. So we've had it's that. True. It's true. At one time. Yep. Yeah. At one time I could. I don't know if I could do it now. I could definitely do the first book, but I don't know about the second. I came in second in that trivia. I think I missed two of them. And so I was. Oh, no. What did you miss? We have to know. Uh, one of them was of the three main characters. Which one is the oldest? Now, I know Harry's the youngest, but yes, Hermione, Hermione is the oldest. Yeah, is the oldest. Yes. I she guess turns, wrong because I wasn't sure. She, her birthday's uh, in August or September or something, and because there's one book where her parents give her pocket money to buy something for her birthday because oh, they knew yeah. she wasn't going to be home. I'd forgotten that that does get mentioned. Yeah, I couldn't remember anything about either of the other kids' birthdays. So. Ron's birthday is in the spring because they're going to take the apparate test, and he's old enough. Like he's turning oh, that's true. Yeah, seventeen in their sixth year uh, when they're about to take the test in the spring, and so he's like, "Oh, I'm going to be able to apparate this summer." And what was what was the other one that I? Oh, the other one was like, "What is the vault number of the vault that the 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 stone is in in the first book?" Oh, um, and I remembered that it was 700 and something, but I could not. Yeah, I think it's 798. I don't remember. That's it probably was, wrong. I think it's uh, I don't I've already forgotten, but I think I, I think it's like vault 719. It's like a it's like seven one something 713. Maybe. Let's see. Vault. Yeah, 713. 713. 713. There you go. 713. So, yeah, those are the two that I missed. Somebody else got all 20 right. And I was like, ah, I hate you. Wow, that person is a true Harry Potter. Yeah, it's true. That was that was that was a big sidetrack. Did Dak finish his? Yeah, <laughs> I'm done. Okay, I was like, I've forgotten where we were completely. I don't want to skip Dak again, like I have done in the past. <laughs> okay, well then I guess let's let's get into these two chapters. So yes, we're we start out we're meeting some new gods. We've got Weatherlove, God of Storms. Uh, who are the other two here? We've got Truth Call, uh, God of Justice, yeah. and Life Blesser, God of Healing. Yeah. So they they all have their domains, although it doesn't seem like any of them pays that much attention to their particular domains. It's not like uh no one no, when we were talking about the weather earlier, it, no one was like, hey, let's go talk to Weather Love and see if he can change the weather. So it's just uh, I wonder what like how did he die? That it's like you are the weather god. I like to imagine lightning. the. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I like to imagine that they were um, killed in some manner that befits the position they were given after they died. So struck by, light, struck by lightning was my um, first thought. But to go back to volcanoes for a second, like, what if this guy was a volcanologist? He fell into a volcano as it erupted and his body got thrown all the way back to the city and just landed in the middle of the palace square. And I just gone, oh, it's raining dead, guys. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> solid, solid volcano theory. I'm on board with it. Sure. That's a new volcano theory for the uh, for the list of volcano theories. You can't prove it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You watched it. You can't unwatch it. <laughs> so this game involves like a giant because it's bigger than usual because they're gods and they have sure. super god strength or whatever. Yeah. But it involves a big field. With uh, lots of areas that you can land uh, a sphere mm-hmm. in, I, I imagine mm-hmm. they're like croquet balls or something. This this makes me think like it's a cross between shot put and top golf. 
Interesting. Okay. The way that it's described, because they're just throwing the balls. So it's like, yeah. is it like you're shot putting balls and maybe there's like score zones. So then it's like top golf. Yeah. It, se- it seems to, there's, there's definitely zones and mm-hmm. you've got a bunch of different balls to choose from. And so like strategically deciding what ball to use and getting it into the best zone can get you the most points every turn. Yeah. Maybe it's also like curling where you can like move other people's balls and oh, maybe. Like, screw them over. Do you guys, uh, do you guys have top golf in Australia? Maybe it's not called top golf. I, I think that's a brand I'm, name. I'm not familiar with that term. No. So top no. golf is, is like you go to, you go to this place and they have balconies and you golf from the balconies onto like a green but the greens are divided into zones like scoring zones so you get different points based on where you hit your ball so it's, so it's golf but like target golf basically sounds 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 like a driving range um, crossed with an archery range yeah okay. basically that's what it is yeah i have uh I, I was not familiar with that until you mentioned it actually so uh yeah it's uh it's pretty popular in our area mm. we got fr- we got frisbee golf that's pretty fun yeah, we have frisbee golf too. We in do. In fact, also, we have uh, our park system in our town. Actually, I guess whoever ran the park systems at one point must have been frisbee golf crazy. We have like five courses in our small town. Jesus, this person was like, "It will catch on. I will make it so." Well, it's yeah. also a big college town, and I think that's like the demographic that plays frisbee golf is college students. Yeah, college students and like you know young adults. Uh, so yes, they're the. Light Song, it, I guess it takes four people to play or something because Light Song's like they keep inviting me to this game and I don't know how the rules work, but uh, he doesn't care. He just grabs a random ball. For instance, this time he's like he's drinking an orange alcoholic fruity drink and uh, he's like, at the country club, <laughs> right? It, basically, they kind of and he's like, so he picks yeah. an orange ball because it matches his drink and he chucks it. Uh, oh, but before that. The Weatherlove picks the the blue sphere and Life Blusters like oh a doubling sphere bold move Weatherlove's like it is bold tell me Light Song the bold do you favor this throw and Light Song's like I mean why would I favor you, your throw when we're in competition <laughs> it's like valid point Light Song <laughs> honestly like these these dudes just strike me as bros and they're all yep. like super into light song but he doesn't care and he's just <laughs> like they're like but light song come on bro and he's like nah i'm good <laughs> they're they so bro-y especially since as he describes them they look exactly the same except for different hair color like yeah it's true if this was the early 2000s they'd all have popped collars and shit <laughs> <laughs> we, we need we need a, a final member for our boy band yeah, essentially, <laughs> they all have like this. They're seven feet tall, muscly, the same like chiseled jaw, and like all all these similar features. And he's like, the only way you can tell them apart is one is blonde, one has brown hair, one has black hair. Yeah, last last song meets him for the first time. He's like, they look yeah. like clones. <laughs> Wait a minute, they are clones. <laughs> I think uh, I think Brandon must have been thinking back to his college days here and been like, what are the biggest assholes that I remember? Oh yeah, these guys. Let's let's make <laughs> these guys in my book. They, they got dude bros at BYU, probably. I mean, you get them anywhere. Yeah. yeah, they're everywhere. Can't get away from the dude bros. So, yeah, he, he he picks up an orange one for his turn because it matches his drink. And he just throws it, like, wherever. He doesn't know the rules and has never bothered to learn. And he gets 413 points for his throw. And Truth Call's like, man, another magnificent throw. How do you do it? <laughs> I yeah. never would have thought to use he, a reversal sphere. 
<laughs> oh, is that what that is? I, it, it, honestly, Light Song makes me think of Walter, but in reverse from Big Lebowski. He's like, am I the only one who doesn't give a shit about the rules? <laughs> <laughs> His explanation is, you have to get inside the mind of the sphere. Think like it does. Reason as it might. And they take this 100% seriously, where he's like, what type of reasoning does a wooden sphere do? The circular type, I should think. Which is, by coincidence, my favorite type. Maybe that's why I'm so good. It's like, this, the ball speaks to me. It says, I used to be a tree. <laughs> so we got Life Blesser, God of Healing, is apparently not the smartest of the gods. And Light Song's like, yeah, unfortunately, being returned doesn't make you any smarter. Which, we talked about weather love. How does the god of healing die? Was he just, like, in a hospital and he died? Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, he healed somebody, but then he got, maybe he got, maybe he was a doctor and he healed them, but then he got sick from whatever they had and he, he died, maybe? That'd be a good Apparently. way. Maybe Dumb he's doctor, a, he, apparently. Yeah, he's one of those doctors who was performing a surgery and accidentally cut off his own finger and died from the <laughs> infection. But yeah, I mean, Dak said that he imagines them dying in relation to their name, but I think we've pretty much been told. It's like Light yeah. Song is Light Song the Bold because he was died very bravely, so. Right. He was one of those doctors that thought COVID was a hoax and then. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. no. Yep. He contracted COVID and then died. That's probably what. And so Light Song is, uh, it's just like, you know, I don't, I don't really care about the game. I just enjoy like seeing how frustrated they get when I continually win and I don't give a shit and have no idea what's going on. And I also like Life Blesser says, I do say light song. I mean, this is a compliment, but having you around can be draining. <laughs> yeah, that's a compliment. Okay. I think someone doesn't understand the, the word compliment. Right. And then light song gets another throw because uh, you achieved the crown pairing during your last toss. Remember? And he's like, yeah, right. Yeah, that thing. Then he, he takes another one and just throws it backwards over his shoulder and walks and sits back down. And he makes even more points from that throw than the last one. <laughs> and they're like, no, you're just showing off. It's like, yeah. It just kind of reminds me of uh, in Friends, is it Cups? Yes, And cups. they're trying to make Joey win his money back and they just change the rules. It's like, oh, you just got the crown pairing. Like, you get to go again. <laughs> and just just to like, they're equally messing with him as Light Song's messing with them. That would be hilarious. Does it? There actually are, are no rules. They're just trying to butter him up. So it's like, okay, no matter what he does, you got to say that he won. Okay, we're on this. <laughs> I, I do like where, it, in his opinion, it revealed an inherent flaw in the game that the one who knew least about it tended to do the best. Which, yeah, it kind of, unless unless Jamie and Dak are correct that uh, they're they're intentionally letting him win. It, it does, these days don't seem like the kind to let him win, but maybe he, they have more political acumen than he gives them credit for. And he even says like, if if I understood the rules, I'd lose on purpose just so that they would stop insisting I come and play with them. Truth call, God of Justice has a uh, wears a martial style in colors of maroon and white, and he says that Light Song says that he suspects he'd always been jealous that. Instead of being given lifeless commands as his duty to the court, he'd been given a vote over issues of trade with other kingdoms. So I guess we knew that Light Song was one of the four gods with lifeless commands. So they each command like 10,000 of the lifeless. I guess everybody gets like their one thing that they get to do. And this guy gets to vote on trade. You just know the god, of, the god of cleanliness is out there. It's like, oh, I've got control over the fucking sewer system. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, we have a whole discussion with Blushweaver later about, like, why did this goddess get control over Lifeless when I should have got control over it? Like, apparently Lifeless is a, a, a very competitive one that people really want. And I'm not sure that there's a logical – it may just be, like, when when one of the gods dies or whatever, they, they give their vote 
or control or whatever to the next one that comes along. So it, it may be like luck of the draw. Because like what what happens if you get like a guy dies and comes back and becomes the god of war and you're like, Well, we gotta give him lifeless commands, right? Like he's the god of war. Well, who do we take them from? We've already got four guys with lifeless commands. They might not take kindly to having their shit taken away. Yeah, put put him on the list. Yeah. Yeah, there there's there's a wait list. That makes sense. Yeah, they're just like yeah, once once what's his face gives his li- gives his breath away, then uh then you'll get the commands. And so these other three gods are start trying to pump him for information like, "Oh, you talked to the queen, huh? What, what what's she got going on?" And he's just like, "You know, he doesn't re- he doesn't like these guys that much, and also they're always playing these political games and they're not all that great at it. It's especially the the one dumb one." <laughs> yeah, well they're 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 dude bros. Of course they're not good at politics. Life Bluster says that serious ignorance has to be an act. They couldn't have sent somebody that dumb. And Truth Calls like, well, "I mean, she's Idrian." They barely have any people in their biggest city. Like, they probably don't even understand politics. And Weatherlove comes out and he's like, I mean, even if she's well-trained by their standards, she'll be easy to manipulate for us. The real trick is going to be being the first one to get there, which no one else wanted to try to talk to her at when she was introduced. So I get, maybe they think Light Song already has gotten gotten there first. Although they also apparently acknowledge that, like, Light Song's just hopeless in practical matters, quote, which to them means taking advantage of other people. Light Song, you really need to take more of an interest in politics. It can be very diverting. Why, if only you knew the secrets to which I'm privy. My dear Life Blesser, please trust me when I say I have no desire to know any secrets which involve you and a privy. Life Blesser. Life Blesser does not get that joke. Uh, But yes, we've got some more of uh, Brandon's attempt at an Oscar Wilde character with Light Song every time. Which entertains me constantly, but uh, I can see how it would wear thin on others. Hmm. And so eventually that light song is just like, guys, I'm I'm getting tired. I got maybe it was something I ate. I got to go lead. <laughs> if you leave, we'll have to play again next week. And I like that. he He's like, oh, your threats roll off me like water. I bid you farewell until such time as you drag me up here again to play this tragic game of yours. And they laugh. And I love he he wasn't sure whether to be amused or insulted that they so often confused his jokes for serious statements and the other way around. And given that. Uh, it seems like hardly anything he ever says is serious. You can't blame him too much. And so he says or thinks that these guys are like amateurs of politics, not like the political masters like Blushweaver. I guess Blushweaver's one of the most adept at the politics of the court. She doesn't seem all that subtle to me, but all of the gods don't seem all that bright. So maybe you don't need to be. Yeah, the ones I don't think need. they need to be subtle. <laughs> but yeah, I think honestly the most subtle one is Light Song because he's constantly like, insulting them and they don't really get it it's like he's the one that has the most like sarcasm and subtlety they all seem pretty pretty blunt you're not wrong and so he starts to think about on his way back to his palace all this stuff he's like i can't help her i'll just make things worse so i try to help the queen but at the same time he's still having these dreams about war and tutelier being destroyed and he's like i don't necessarily accept these as prophetic but i feel like i can't ignore them either Blushweaver thought the war was important, or at least that it was important to prepare for, and he trusted her more than any other god or goddess. I don't know why, dude, but okay. And so he thinks maybe he should get involved. Maybe he, him being more moderate will balance her, who seems to be very aggressively moving towards war. Which, once again, I don't think that that's – personally, I don't think that's the best plan to, to work with the person who is really for war when you're like, I don't want the war, though. But whatever. No one ever said Light Song was a political genius either, so – and then he says, I'm probably going to regret this and goes looking for Blushweaver. And that's when we cut to Vivenna. 
who's sitting across from a guy eating mussels. And she's just like, why would anyone want this slimy, slug-like, disgusting stuff? Not only that, but they're rare and expensive mussels, and he just keeps slurping them down, and she's paying the bills. She's not (laughs) happy about it. Keep slurping them like a thirsty dog. And there's there's a very short note in the annotations. Can you tell that I hate seafood? How does anyone eat that stuff? (laughs) Honestly, crazy, man. I mean, honestly, I've been forced to choke down raw clams before, and it was just about the most one of the most traumatic events in in my life. (laughs) Now, that means you haven't had a very traumatic life there. Yeah, right. (laughs) But uh, no, I mean, I don't like oysters either. I think they're kind of gross. Yeah, I agree with that. I've even tried them fried and I still don't like them all that much. Yeah, I tried them like everybody's like, well, you haven't had them fresh. It's like, no, the the one time I tried them, they were freshly caught that morning in the ocean next to where we in the town we were in. And I was like, yeah, these are not good. When we were in Perth earlier this year, we went to an oyster bar and this is like this big menu of all these different ways you can have your oysters. And we got chili oyster shot and it was like a chili vodka, just with an oyster in it and some like Tabasco sauce. And it was very hot, very spicy, but delicious. It was so good. Mm. So in that instance, what does the oyster add? Flavor? Like what, what, how would you describe the flavor of an oyster? Well, I mean, that just tasted like chili in the shot. (laughs) Just, it was just spice. Yeah. I don't know. It adds like a, I guess it does add like a salty kind of fishy thing, but it's just, it's pretty overpowering the chili. Yeah. It was in that instance, before and was like, hmm. Right. Like for me, in that instance, the chili is there to hide the oyster flavor. <laughs> I don't know. Like so many of the ways you can eat oysters involves having like a chili or a spice with it in in some way. So I don't know. We used to make Kilpatrick all the time at home. Oh, yeah. Bacon and Worcestershire sauce and then bake them in the oven. Interesting. We Yeah. Mm. We, quite a lot of the time we would um, have, have oysters and play Scrabble. Huh. All right. It's fun. I, Scrabble's good. I don't yeah. have any. <laughs> it's it's Sorry, very civil, civilized, you know. You like you know, we're here with our oysters and playing Scrabble. You, you feel very classy. Sorry, now I'm looking up oysters Kilpatrick. The, the first recipe is Australian oysters Kilpatrick. So maybe a. Hey, there we go. Yes, yeah, so if you if you're not a big fan of the oyster flavor, I mean you don't have to eat them, but it's definitely like a smoky bacon, mm. Worcestershire sauce, parsley kind of cooked in it and so it does it definitely does disguise some of the oyster flavor and you just still kind of do it like a shot off the shell okay. yeah but we've also done then like lobster tails kilpatrick or something like that as well so if you if you were into other seafood there's definitely stuff you can do with yeah the see same recipe. now now you say lobster with bacon and some more shirts and cook you see that that sounds much better to me but <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty delicious yep lobsters are the best I like lobster sometimes, but my issue is that I don't feel like there's that much taste to it other than like usually like you get it with a lot of butter. So it's it'll be buttery. But I'm just like, I don't know that I, I I'm getting enough good taste out of this for how much lobster tends to cost. So that's, that's why fair. I'm like, if you cook it with some other stuff, like use some bacon, some sauce, some other like that, I could see it being very good. There's um an incredible seafood restaurant actually in Sydney that we're going to in September. That's never been, but depending on how much time you've got in Sydney when you come, which should take you if you do like seafood. It's amazing. Interesting. Yeah, yeah I have no idea how long I'm going to be there. I still need to get in. Failing that, the Sydney, fish, the Sydney fish markets are, like, right at the pier. So there's yep. heaps of seafood places. 
That's always nice. Uh, okay, back to back to what we were doing. Back to Brandon and his irrational hatred of seafood. Yep. I mean, he, he's from Utah. They don't have any. Oh, yeah, we're in Canberra. We're inland. Yes, that's fair, too. Uh, See, so yeah, Denth and Tonkfa are here also, and they're helping themselves to the mussels as well. So everyone's slurping it down, except for Venna, who's sitting here like, ugh, why? And so they're trying to convince this guy, who's like a, a big-time farmer, I guess. He owns a bunch of farmland. And they're trying to convince him that war is coming. Yeah, and the dumb, the dumb pun I had in my head. And it's like, this guy's a farmer. He's head of the criminal network. I'm just like, so he's the god farmer? <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Anytime I hear, anytime I hear farmer, I just think of last action hero. You want to be a farmer? How about a couple of acres? Then he <sighs> kicks the guy in the, the junk. It's good. It's a good movie. That is, yeah, it's I ridiculous. I love, I love that movie. So they're trying to convince him, like, war is coming, and what's going to happen when war starts is the government is going to basically confiscate all of your wheat or whatever and pay you, like, a minimal price for it. If you harvest all of your stuff early and sell it at, you know, decent peacetime rates, then you'll be way ahead of the game. You'll make way more money than you would otherwise. Or actually, I guess they don't pay him at all because there's a stipulation in the land ownership that uh, – says that if war comes, then all of his stuff becomes property of the returned. And it's really not a bad deal for him because it's like the government would just seize your land anyway. All that having this like agreement with them does is you don't get to complain about it after the fact. And okay, so the agreement is because he gets lifeless that help in the fields. So he gets lifeless in exchange for if war starts, they get all his stuff, his food. And so he's like, okay, yeah, but we've been almost at war with Idris for like a decade now. Why all of a sudden you think that it's actually going to happen? And that's when they have Vivenna show off her ability to change her hair color. And since this is a thing that a very, very limited number of people can do, it is instantly like uh, like it's better than ID. You know who this is, or at least that she's one of three possible people. He's like, the queen? And she's like, no, I'm the queen's sister. And so uh, Dent says that she's here to organize resistance against the gods and to prepare Adrian interests here for the coming war. And do you really think that they that the king would have sent his daughter here if war was not imminent? And the best they can get from this guy whose name is Fob, which is a silly name, but whatever, is uh he's like, okay, I'll think about harvesting early. And Dent is like, all right. And then they leave and move on towards the next meeting. So apparently they just go they meet in restaurants all day with uh, various people, and uh, she has to pay for food constantly. And Tongfa and Dent apparently are just they're like, yeah, we'll eat food while we're sitting in the restaurant, of course, whatever we're having. And we find out a little bit about Claude the lifeless. Jules has the command phrases to control him, and uh, we found out how lifeless work a little bit when Vasher created the squirrel one, but Dent kind of outlines it again here somewhere. It's like, there's a security phrase that prevents other people from giving instructions to the, to a lifeless. The thing about lifeless, why they're useful is that other people can give instructions to them. It's not like other awakenings where you give one-time instructions. Plus, lifeless can remember a long list of complicated orders and are generally good about not misunderstanding them. They retain a bit mm. of their humanity, I guess. And she's like, okay, so what's the security phrase? And he's like, I, I'll have to ask Jules if you can have it. So apparently the lifeless guy, Claude, is her area, and he's not going to, uh, despite being kind of the leader of this group, he's not going to tread on her uh, area of expertise here without permission. And uh, Jules is chatting to the lifeless, and she's like, does she always talk to it like that? And Denth is like, Yeah. And she says, that doesn't seem very healthy. And then he gets like a kind of far off, troubled look. And so there is a uh, a bit in the annotations I was going to pull out here at this point. 
So you remember that uh, they had another member of their group who died named R. Steel. And what he says is, yes, Claude is R. Steel, in case you were wondering. After Vasher killed him, Denth's team decided to have him made into a lifeless, partly because R. Steel was such a capable warrior they knew he'd make for an excellently skilled lifeless. It isn't as good as having Arsteel himself, but Claude is probably the greatest lifeless sword fighter in existence right now in the world. <laughs> that's kind of sad. I mean, yep. That's really sad. That's fucked up. Also, that's that seems like a crucial part of their characters and like their history with Vasha. Why is that being thrown out in the annotations and not the text? Mm. Also, another tidbit that never comes up, he says, is that Jules was in love with Arsteel, which is the primary reason she joined Dent's team in the first place. Again, uh, how the fuck is this not part of the text? This is crucial. Well, and kind he's, of he's, explains Dent, like, sort of lost look. It's like, yeah, it's not really healthy. Oh, wow, yeah, that's not good. And then um, he, he says there, there's a lot more involved there, and he ends that bit with, I'm afraid that's another story that we'll have to wait for the sequel. So there's a, a lot of this background stuff is stuff that he wants to get into, but does not in this book, essentially, is what he's saying. And then this annotation finishes with, Jules is still in love with him. And yes, she still sleeps with him on occasion. And yes, she's oh. a little bit unhinged emotionally and mentally because of his death. Big yikes. Yeah, right? Uh, this is just getting ickier and ickier. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? What's that one? Is it a movie or a book where it's like, we can't have all these? Oh, no, I know what it is. It's the Spoonie experiment review of Final Fantasy X, where he's like, all these dead guys walking around trying to get with our alive chicks. Uh, I actually that's rewatched a, that like a couple of weeks ago randomly. That's a that's a deep cut. No ways. Go check out the Spoonie experiment Final Fantasy X review. If you're into yeah. Final Fantasy, it's worth watching. It was, was a movie maybe 10, 15 years ago. It had like Renfield, dude who played Beast in X-Men. He was a zombie, and he fell in love with a living chick. And I think that was the core conflict oh, in the yeah. end. Was like the zombies, the zombies learned to love again, and like some of the humans refused to accept that. So that was the fight. Yeah, was it? Uh, uh, was it warm, warm bodies? bodies? That's yeah. the one. Yep, ten years ago, twenty thirteen. Always. Oh, really? Huh. Always remember that movie. Never remember the title. Never yeah, saw it. That guy's aging. That guy is has aged very well. He's a he's a good he looking has. dude, and he uh, looks the same. Yeah. Plus he's. He's doing pretty well for himself. He's killing it on like the like the weird little indie comedy route. That's true. I mean, it's not like Renfield was hitting it big, but it was an it was an entertaining movie. There was that, and um, there's that TV show he does with Elle Fanning about Catherine the Great. I've only seen like little snippets here and there. I haven't actually sat down and properly watched it, but apparently, oh it's yeah, fucking, it's fucking hysterical. Yeah, he plays her husband. Yeah, I didn't know there was a show about Catherine the Great. Uh, it's called The Great. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. You have to like. I don't know how many seasons now. Also in a TV show called Crossing Swords. I don't know what that was about. And he played J.R.R. Tolkien in a movie called Tolkien. Never seen it, but I want to. Hmm. Biopics are, are becoming a pretty big thing in recent years. we got a few interesting yeah. ones coming out this year, like Oppenheimer later this month, and then uh, Joaquin Phoenix is playing, like, Napoleon. Does that really count as a bi- biopic, or is that more of a, like, a historical war movie? Eh, I don't know, actually. That's a good point. Uh, there's a Leonard Bernstein movie. Sorry, now, now, now I got distracted from bio. Yeah, we, we've, we've digressed very far now. Yeah, <laughs> we're talking about this lady being icky, still making love to her dead lover. Her corpse, her corpse boyfriend. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's a thing. Yep, yep, yep. So, yeah, that's uh, I, obviously you had to had to touch on that annotation when we got to Sure, that. sure. I guess it, have to is one word for it. <laughs> and then 
to distract from that, we have Tonk Fa with a, a new pet. He's got a monkey. And she's like, yeah, what happened I was taking. Yeah, exactly. I was taking notes, and I'm like, what the fuck happened to the parrot? What did he do to the parrot? He just not feed it? Yeah, Denth is like, Tonks isn't very good with pets. Yeah, yeah Tonk, feed on it. Tonk yeah, like, he... parrots are boring anyway. Monkeys are much more interesting. <laughs> I like, he's like, parrots are boring. Like, I'm mad about what happened with that parrot, so it was boring. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, that's maybe that's just... the real story, is what happened to the parrot. Maybe it's like off screen. He actually just reenacted that episode of Futurama where Fry bought the parrot and it got killed by Santa. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Tinny Tim gets some dinner. Yeah, no. Yep. Uh, but yeah, we're gonna we're going off to the next restaurant to meet a new guy, and this guy is Grable. That's his name. So they go in the restaurant and they sit down, and then Grable takes a seat at the next table over. And Dent's like, oh, what? Well, geez, we're paranoid, huh? And Tonkfa's like, I don't care, more food for us, because the food has just arrived. Something battered and fried. And the monkey gets some, too. So that, there you go. And so what Dent is here to say is we want to make certain supply carts disappear on the way into the city. And Vivenna's like, oh, geez, are we talking about this just out in the open? And Tonkfa's like, now, Grable owns the whole place. Probably everybody in here is his bodyguard. So these aren't long-distance caravans. This is going to be difficult. They're going to be right up near the city. And here's a bag of money just for meeting with us. And Vivenna's like, oh, geez, more of my money going out the window. All right. And Grable's like, oh, let's see the hair first. And so she does her hair thing. And he says, where'd you find her? And Dent's like, what? A person with enough royal blood to imitate one of the princesses? And Dent's like, no, she's not an imposter. Yeah, whatever. You could tell me. Come on. (laughs) And Vivenna says, no, being royal isn't just about blood. It's about lineage. My children won't have the royal locks unless I become queen. Only potential heirs have the ability to change their hair color. Yeah, I don't think she knows how DNA works. And Grable's like, that's bullshit. <laughs> and uh, here's here's the uh, the other or another annotation I wanted to bring out about this discussion where only potential heirs have the ability to change their hair. Brandon says this is true. It's not a matter of genetics, but lineage. There's a subtle distinction. Only the child, the children of the person who ends up inheriting has the royal locks. Though there are a couple of notable exceptions, but they won't show up in this book, so it doesn't really matter. It'll be a different novel if I ever explain how these royal locks really work. Yeah, I was about to say, how does it work? It's just like some weird spooky magic. It's like, okay, you became heir, so now these people have locks. That didn't make any sense. Whoever the shot is really just loves fucking with the royalty. It says, this factoid about the royal locks should be one of several hints about the lineage of the Idrian crown. There's something odd there. Lineage of the Idrian crown. Yeah. So anyway, apparently word of uh, Vivenna is spreading around town. I mean, they are meeting with a bunch of shady types and showing off her her multicolored hair. So I guess it makes sense. And Grable's like, yeah, I mean, I don't know where you found her or how you trained her so well, but I want her. How much do you want? And Dent's like, yeah, we're leaving now. <laughs> and then the bodyguards stand up and Denth, it just says Denth moved. There were flashes, reflection of sunlight and bodies moving too fast for her mind to follow. Then it stopped, and his blade is sticking through the neck of one of the guards. She hadn't even seen him pull the blade out, but there it is. Also, there's another bodyguard who has been stabbed, and she didn't see that happen either. And Grable's just like, oh, so you are as good as they say. Still looking very unconcerned as 20 other guys stand up. And then we find out a little tiny bit about uh, what word is about Denth around, uh, around the place. People say you appeared out of nowhere a decade or so back. Gathered yourself a team of the best, stole them from important men or important prisons, 
Nobody knows much about you other than the fact that you are fast. Some say inhumanly so. And then they just they go to leave and he's like, yeah, pity we couldn't do business. Hope you'll think of me for future dealings. And then it's like, what the? OK, he's just going to let us go now. And Dan says yeah, he just wanted to see my blade. It happens sometimes. As they get outside, they get approached by a random guy from the crowd going, princess. Yeah, let's just yell that. OK, he's like, oh, my gosh, it really is you. I heard rumors, but oh my, you're really here. Princess, I am your servant. And she's like, please don't put me above others. You know, it's been so long since I left Idris. <laughs> and he says uh, that they've heard about her. The Idrians and Titelier are talking about her, saying they she's come back to take the throne. We've been oppressed here for so long. And Denth is like, yeah, grab him, search him. We're going to talk somewhere not in the middle of the street. And they have a uh, a building in the poorer section of town that we later find out that they have rented Denth has some safe houses for them in various parts of the city, just in case. It's not a very nice building at all. It's very extremely ragged, but, you know, it's something. Makes sense. Yeah. There's faded colors in the alley, which she says it feels weird because everything is so bright here in Titelier. Because they have these tiers of Edgley, the vibrant flowers that grow only in this climate that they produce these dyes from. And this is also where we realize that Vivenna can't feel that the life sense can't feel jewels so she's like oh my gosh she has no breath she's a drab and jewels never notices when vivenna is watching her so whatever sense it is that make you look around after somebody's staring at you she doesn't have that and vivenna's like oh poor woman i, sh- I should be nicer to her so based on what we know now uh, the assumption is she used her breath to revive her dead boyfriend no i I feel like there's a discussion of that in these chapters. Is there not? Yeah, he. They, I think, uh, think Tonkfar Dent specifically says that she sold her breath as a. Ch- uh, her parents sold her breath to the one of the gods as ch- when she was a child. Oh, I forgot that bit. And so they're gonna interrogate this guy, and he's like, "Princess, you don't have to be involved in this. You could Jules can take you back while we question this guy." And she's like, "No, no, I want to hear what he has to say." And so he's like, first of all, tell us how you actually knew the princess was gonna be at that particular restaurant." He's like, no, I just happened to be walking around, and Tonkfa cracks his knuckles, and the, the guy's like, okay, um, I, I run jobs for one of the bosses in the city. Little things, nothing big. When you're one of us, you take what jobs you can get. And Dennis's like, what do you mean one of us? And he says, Idrians. And Dennis's like, ah, I've seen lots of Idrians in good positions in the city. You can't say that, like, you're all so oppressed or whatever. And he's like, nah, they have money. When you have money, you can do what you want. But if you're just an ordinary guy... People look at your clothing, listen to your accent, and then they find somebody else to do their work. They say we're not trustworthy or that we're boring or that we steal. And I like Vivenna's like, well, do you? And he's like, well, I mean, sometimes. Not at first. I, I just do it when my boss tells me to. But uh, his boss found out about uh, this meeting that was going on and sold that information to some people. And he overheard it. And Dent is like, friend, I think you should just forget this whole this whole thing. But Vivenna, she's like, hey. No, I want to talk to this guy some more. Like, if stuff is so bad here, why don't you go back to Idris? And it's like, I can't afford to. I mean, that's like weeks of travel. You need money for that. And there's lots of us here, and we're all, like, none of us can afford to go. And so she wants to meet with some of the Idrians. Because she's like, I have come here to help you. So you set up a meeting. She says, how do I contact you? He's ask around for Yed. That's my boss. And then he leaves, and Dent says, Jules, follow him. Which made me think she's going to go kill the guy. But uh, I don't think that's what actually happens. So. And Tonkfa is uh, sad because they let the guy go so fast. And Dent's like, oh, geez, now he's going to be sullen the rest of the day. I never get to be the bad guy anymore. Arsteel always got to be the mean one. 
And she tells Tonkfa, you can be the mean one next time. Promise? Yes. Can I yell at them? Sure. Can I growl at them? <laughs> sure. Can I break the fingers? No. Not even the unimportant ones? I mean, people have five. The little ones don't even do that much. <laughs> and then they start laughing, and she's like, I just, I, you guys, your ridiculous sense of humor. I can never tell when you're being serious or ridiculous. And Tonkfa's like, that's what makes it funny. Which, that's fair. But they've uh, Dentist decided they're going to lay low for a few hours just to make sure Grable isn't going to come after them. I I think he was probably just testing us, but just in case we're going to play it safe. That's why we have these safe houses. And then he's like, uh, oh, but, you know, just stay away from the windows just just to be safe. And she's worried that things are taking too long here in Tatlir. Her father should have gotten her letter two weeks ago. And so he could be sending people to come get her back. She's thinking maybe I should be going back. She's kind of conflicted about remaining here. And doing what she's doing. And Denth doesn't like the idea of her meeting with these Idrians because it's going to be hard to protect her. But she wants to do it anyway. She has to do something to help these people. She also still wants to help her sister, which you guys may have noticed that they uh, we, we haven't heard any progress towards that. And she's like, I don't know if I'm doing the best thing to help my people by staying here. And Denth says that, no, I mean, really, this is the best place you could possibly be. Like, what would you be doing back in Idris that would be in any way useful here? You'd be sitting around knitting doilies. I wonder what the process of knitting a doily is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then she turns and Claude is standing right there and she freaks out and uh, wants to make, wants him to go stay in the basement. But uh, <laughs> I also felt like Denth says that he does that sometimes. And I almost felt like maybe that wasn't true. He was just trying to make her feel better. And maybe in his brain, he's thinking like, what the hell is he doing? Yeah, it does say that he he does that sometimes. Denth said chuckling, though it sounded false to Vivenna. So, yeah, I mean, if he doesn't just do that sometimes, then what happened? Hmm. And so, yeah, here's where we find out that uh, can't feel jewels because she's a drab. And he's like, yeah, has been since she was a child. Her parents sold her breath to one of the gods. And then is like, that's so horrible. I really need to show her more kindness. And then it's like, yeah, it's not really so bad. I've been without breath myself. And it's not, it doesn't make that big a difference. And then is like, but you're selling your soul. And that's just superstition. It doesn't change you that much. Uh, and that's another thing that I want to pull out here. So from the annotations, he says, Vivenna is right about what happens to a person when they lose their breath. It is part of your soul. And without one, you're more prone to depression. You get sick more easily. You, you're generally more irritable. I include this mention here because I'm betting most people who read the book side with Denth and assume he's right when he talks about these things. But don't be too judgmental on the Idrians. Yes, they are biased. But the Halandrin are two in a lot of ways. It's not as simple as one side being right and the other wrong. In this case, the Idrian teachings are mostly correct. And most Halandrin are looking for a justification when they say giving one's breath isn't all that damaging to them. Giving up one's breath isn't all that damaging. So a little more look into how that works. And uh, yeah, so she's the Venice. She's like, ah, whatever. Like, you call my stuff superstitious, but... I could turn those words back on you. And why would you even bother buying a breath back if it didn't actually matter? And eventually they decide to care. After Jules comes back and says the guy is who he says he was, she's she's asked around. Then Denth is like, okay, we can go back to the, to the house. That's the end of chapter 22, our very long chapter here. And we move into 23. Light Song and Blushweaver. She's enjoying one of the, the art of one of the city's master gardeners. And because they can't leave the, the city uh, of the gods... A master gardener has to bring flower beds to them. So there's hundreds of planters and pots and vases with flowers in them, and he has people arrange them in patterns to please the god. 
what a what a weird yes and like what a weird strenuous job (laughs) (laughs) and brandon talks about a little bit where he's like i kind of like this concept of a gardener who's is like an art makes an art form out of moving stuff around on the fly they have all these servants with these different pots and they rush around and they put them down and they retreat and leave them there for a few moments and then repeat it's like synchronized swimming but with plants that's exhausting yeah <laughs> it does and so blush weaver's like light song visiting a lady in her home how charmingly forward well enough of this small talk let's retire to the bedroom she's uh yeah she's not a small talk lady <laughs> um and he has a sheet of paper where he's written down how their conversation would go and he's like no please read this to start blush weaver says something mildly suggestive and she's like i mean i invited you to the bedroom that's kind of blatant i underestimated you please continue Light Song then says something so incredibly charming and clever that she's left stunned by his brilliance and cannot speak for several minutes. She's like, really? Do I do I really have to read this crap? And But it ends with like, and then Light Song apologizes for being so distant lately. <laughs> and she's like, does this mean go you're on. ready to be part of my plans? He's just like, go on. Keep talking. Keep reading my words. Yes, yes. He's like a he's like a weird writer who's like super into his own words that he's just like no don't mess with my script read my words (laughs) (laughs) i put a lot of effort into this you will finish it yeah dance puppet dance it's like joss whedon apparently he's not uh, not a fan of improv Mm. or he's like uh he's like that dude in that video where he's like i made you a pot of hot kool-aid he's like i don't want hot kool-aid it's like i want you to drink it (laughs) no idea like some coffee like, uh, no thanks. I'm going to drink the damn coffee. <laughs> I made this for you. So Light Song agrees to join her, but it says, I don't think the queen is involved in a plot to take the throne. I'm convinced. It's like, well, then why are you agreeing to join me? Because I intend to see that you don't crush her or the rest of us. Like, My dear Light Song, I assure you that I'm harmless. Yeah, okay. You keep telling yourself that, love. <laughs> <laughs> He says, I doubt that. And she's like, now, now, you should never point out a lady's departure from strict truth. Women are allowed to lie. You just have to take it. Lights on. Come on. Get with the program. And then she's like, OK, I'm glad you're here. We got work to do. Work? That sounds like work. And so they start walking through the area where the gardener is uh, rearranging his <laughs> garden. And so he has to quickly like create a path for them. It's yeah. as, as if he's a conductor of a botanical orchestra. <laughs> walking? That wasn't part of the deal. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like someone's oh, about no. to take his suicide pill. This isn't interactive, damn it. And we the, the the little section ends with, you know, he's complaining about work, and she's like, "Don't be tedious. This is going to be fun." Mercy Star got attacked last night, and we cut straight to them discussing with Mercy Star. Oh my dear, it was positively tragic. Mercy Star is a gorgeously voluptuous woman who offered a striking contrast with Blush Weaver. Both are examples of feminine, uh, perfect examples of feminine beauty. Just that Blush Weaver was the Simply the slim yet busty type, while Mercy Star was the curvaceous yet busty type. Uh, well, it's good to know that they stick with a the theme. Priests have a type. She didn't have Blush Weaver's sense of style. There was a skill to choosing bright clothing that didn't edge into garishness. Light Song did not have it, but he had servants who did. Mercy Star apparently didn't even know that skill existed, though orange and gold aren't exactly the easiest colors to wear with dignity. I could see how that, I mean, depending on what orange, that could be tough. Orange is a like- rated color. I feel like orange and gold are just way too close to be the only two colors you can wear. They're not exactly complimentary. Mm. And so, yeah, we we saw Vasher sneak into Mercy Star's palace. So we saw that we saw everything that that happened more or less. 
But now we get to hear the other side of this where Mercy Star is telling them about, oh, how horrible it was. Some miscreant costing my servants. Hey, wait a minute. To go back to the color thing, were they the colors in Elantris that they had such a hard on for hating? Orange definitely was. Yeah. Does Brandon just hate orange? I think. Didn't she hate yellow? Wasn't it okay, like. The, the queen the hated, hated yellow. yellow. Yes. So, yeah. But it was like a super ugly orange colored cloth that Serini like sends into Elantris to have clothes made out of because she's trying to screw them over with all their requests. That's right. So yeah, that is that is very similar to the orange and gold mentioned here. Interesting point, Dak. Maybe that's yeah. Maybe once again, Brandon's personal preferences are sneaking in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll be I'll be honest. I'm not a big fan of orange for clothing anyway. Mm. I think it's, I think it's underrated. My my finest article of clothing is is an orange suit jacket. The first first I went out and bought it, Jamie and her friend I picked it up and Jamie and her friend both just went, That is disgusting and then I put it on, they've both just gone, Oh, actually. Interesting. Hello. Yeah. Well, we we can't all be charmingly handsome and orange like you, Dak. I for us uh Orange, for us, yes. The other things <laughs> mm. It's also not bright orange. Yeah, yeah see that it's like some rust orange. orange. Ah, see, for us darker haired fellows, it's not it's not as easy to pull off. I had a I think the only orange article of clothing. I had an orange lantern shirt at one point. I don't think I still do. Nice. And Mercy starts like the guards at the gate are supposed to prevent these kind of things. What what do we do? Why do we even have walls if anybody can just walk in and violate our homes? I don't feel safe anymore. And I like blush weavers. I'm sure the guards will be more diligent in the future. It's fine. <laughs> while, while I agree, Blushweaver's not comforting. Also, nothing happened to Mercy Star, so there's really not much to comfort. It's like really your guards just got beat up, like, and killed. Yeah. Nothing happened to you. But I guess it's it's from her perspective, it could be similar. Like these are her guards. Like she might actually be really friendly with her staff. Could be. And like is actually aghast that these are my people. How dare someone come and hurt my right. people? She's like, that was my favorite one to sleep with. How dare you? (laughs) I sort of picked up more that it was it was an invasion of her space. Like, it's just not her at all. You don't come into a god's palace. And it's like, now they think it's okay to come into the god's palaces. Like, where will it it end? Such a travesty. I mean, yeah, she she says it's her home. And so it's like if somebody broke into your home while you were there, even if they didn't hurt anything, that would be very disturbing. To be fair, that is... That is my reaction when I, if I ever find a cockroach in the house. I'm just like, you bring this into <laughs> my house? How dare you? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, you cockroach. But Blushweaver immediately directs the conversation into making making Mercy Star believe that it must have been an Idrian who broke in. Like, who else would be so disrespectful of uh, uh, like of our religion and propriety and tradition? Had to be an Idrian. And then Blushweaver's was like, I mean, did you ever wonder why the king sent their youngest daughter instead of the oldest? And Mercy Star's like, they did? So really, she's been paying no attention to what's been going on. She's really not helping the whole, man, these gods are idiots. It's not. <laughs> and so Blushweaver's like, hey, look, maybe you want to, like, join up with Lightsong here and myself. We're, we're trying to be prepared in case something happens. And Lightsong takes Blushweaver aside. He's like, what, what are you doing? Like, what's going on here? And she's like, I'm recruiting. We need her lifeless commands. Uh, and he's like, but I don't I don't think we I don't necessarily know that we do. We may not need to go to war. And Blushweaver's like, I, I mean, you know, I'm just being careful, making preparations. It's like, oh, OK, then. 
And she's like, you, you, you don't really think it was a coincidence that someone broke into as war is approaching. Someone broke into the palace of one of the four returned who holds lifeless commands. And we, of course, know that Vasher did not choose her for that reason. He had his own set of reasons why he decided to use, break into this particular one. But, but it's, it's, this, it's this ongoing theme throughout the book. People like looking for answers and, and thinking they have them. And actually, like the mm-hmm. explanation is significantly, if not mundane, then on completely the wrong track. Right. Because they're all just they're all so self-obsessed. They assume everything that happens is related to the thing they're obsessed with in some way. Yep. Kind of a natural uh, instinct. But, uh, yeah, it can lead you astray. Yep. And Mercy starts just like, I mean, I don't understand why the Idrians would do something like that. Uh, we're, there's going to be a god king with royal blood on our throne. And Blushfree's like, yeah, but couldn't you also interpret that same thing as an Idrian king with Halandrin blood on the throne? And then Mercy Star looks at Light Song and is like, do you believe this? And he's like, why do people look at me like that? I, I do everything I can to discourage that sort of behavior. But they still act like I'm a moral authority for some reason. I mean, you, you're a god. But so is she, to be fair. Also, it's like, well, you showed up for this little consultation, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did everything except I think. Uh, <laughs> I think he's so subtle and enigmatic and like sarcastic that people don't know how to read him so usually people that aren't super intelligent will read that person as like wow he must be so intelligent and worthy <laughs> and all these other things and blush weaver kind of talks her over by being like look, look we're just going to take simple precautions talk plan and when we have enough evidence we'll bring it to the god king and mercy starts like oh yeah okay no that makes sense and they leave and blush weaver goes she's a deer and he says yeah you just say that because she's easy to manipulate of course, I positively love people who do as they should. Should being defined as whatever I think is best. There's one thing about Mercy Star that positively annoys me. Why did she, goddess of kindness, get command of 10,000 lifeless? It's obviously a dire error in judgment because I don't have any. He says, Blushweaver, you're the goddess of honesty, communication, and interpersonal relationships. Why would you get armies? What do you call one man hitting another with a sword? That's interpersonal. Which, yeah, okay. I <laughs> mean, when you put it like that. I'd, I'd say kindness is actually a good fit for the army because it's like, you know, you can send them on humanitarian missions or, uh, you know, you've got to be kind enough to know when not to to fight a fucking war. Exactly. Blushweaver yeah. would be like, let's go. <laughs> See, I think it makes good sense. But Blushweaver just wants the army. She doesn't actually care. And then uh, Blushweaver's like, I, I, I should think that you'd appreciate my arguments since relationships are, in fact, war, as is clear in our relationship. And then she has to poke him. He's like, lights on. Pay attention to me. Your banter has been decidedly off today. I may just have to find someone else to play with. Like, uh, huh? yeah. What? Tr- tragic. I know. Um, <laughs> sure. Okay, cool. Thanks. So this was just a one-person break-in? She's like, supposedly. It's not important. Was anyone injured? Yeah, whatever. A couple servants. One dead, I think. Like, pay attention to me. Not that. And he's like, wait, somebody died? Oh, I'm going back to talk to her. And she's like, fine, but you're going to do it without me. I have gardens to enjoy. All right. Talk to you later. <laughs> I, lo- I just how annoyed she is at him the perfect way to keep this woman's attention i think because uh you know she wants all the attention and refusing to give it to her just makes her want his attention more i suspect <laughs> yeah cool see ya <laughs> yeah, exactly and so he goes back he wants to talk to he, he, he wants to find out more about what happened and mercy star says i it's yeah it's weird like two guards were knocked unconscious and then Four of my servants came in and he fought them, knocked one out, killed another one. Two of them escaped. 
he says, how's the man killed? I really don't know. My priest can tell you. I I was just, I was too traumatized to take in the details. Have I mentioned how thoroughly out of sorts I am? One would think you'd prefer to stay here and comfort me rather than go talk to priests. And he's like, if you know anything about me, Mercy Star, you will realize that leaving you alone is the best comfort that I can offer. Then he says, uh, that was a joke. I'm bad at those. Scoot, are you coming? So it's just going to be Scoot and Lightsong off to interrogate the priests. And Laramar's like, what? Why are we doing this? After they leave the other priests standing around in the grass like a group of children ab- abandoned by their parents, it says. <laughs> and Lightsong's like, I don't actually know why we're doing this. I just uh, like I feel like something odd is going on here. <laughs> Wait, where's Master Lightsong going? <laughs> and Laramar's like, it's very, this is very uncharacteristic of you. And he's like, I know, right? I can't say what prompted it. Curiosity, I guess. Curiosity that outweighs your desire to avoid doing, well, anything at all? And he just shrugs, like, I, I, he's feeling energized. And he's, instead of lethargy, he has this excitement that's almost familiar. And he finds the priest, and he's like, okay, you guys, you guys can tell me more about the break-in. They don't really want to. But he, despite not being their god, he is a god, so they have to answer his questions. And so two guys, the, the first two guards are knocked out. One is immobilized with an awakened rope, while one remained behind to delay the intruder. The other two ran for aid. Well, that's a nice perspective. of Yeah, he, he stayed behind to delay the intruder, not to pick up the freaky sword that uh, got dropped in front of him. But at the time that he was knocked unconscious, the tied up guy was still alive. But while everyone else was delayed by a lifeless animal, the tied up guy got killed, stabbed through the heart with a dueling blade. So just because I can't remember, did Vasher actually kill that guy or no? We definitely did not see Vasher kill the guy. Okay, so possibly a third party was involved that we don't know about. As I recall, that scene ends with they find like a secret passage in the floor and they're about to drop right. down into it. And Night Song's yes. or Night Blood rather is is like, well, what if there's more guy? Or what if there's not another way out? And so it doesn't seem like if he's about to drop into a secret passage, Vasher would turn around and stab a guy. But yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, even if he dropped in the passage, I mean, he would have had to if he had to escape the same way he came in. Then I guess that could have happened. But uh, mm, oh yeah, sure. I was just trying to piece it together. But maybe they're trying to hide something so they killed that guy, like the other priests killed the guy. But who knows? He was also stabbed through the heart with a blade, a dueling blade. I don't know necessarily if you could classify Nightblood as a dueling blade, but we've never seen Vasher unsheathe Nightblood to stab somebody. Also, I don't know what they consider a dueling blade in their right. culture. And uh, so Light Song's like, so an Awakener? Huh. There's no way an Idrian did this, not with if they used Awakening. What was this lifeless creature? A lifeless squirrel. The intruder used it as a diversion. It was made using modern command words. It even had ichor alcohol instead of blood. Took us the better part of the night to catch the thing. We had to call in these two hillbilly guys. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So number one, they said we got a fucking some kind of critter they can't catch. What do you think we should do? What kind of critter are we talking here, Paul? Uh, it certainly ain't no possum. They said it's uh, real fluffy. Fluffy? Oh, you can't ever get knives through fluff. Too thick. No, sure can't. Sure can't. Uh, well, maybe we can squash it. Good, uh, yeah, mate, Mike could make some good stew out of it. Yeah? Uh, let's go find out. Aw, oh, shit. Wait, are we on that planet with the zombie people? Is this going to be a zombie no. animal? No. Uh, well, maybe. I don't know. I honestly don't know because there's like three planets with zombies at this point. So, <laughs> uh, 
It could be, could be, could be, but I, I could, I, I can't reckon. Man, Paul, we gotta stop putting the like a uh, zombie, zombie animals pay extra clause in our contract. Yeah. No, you're right about that. You're right about that. All right. Well, yeah. I'll go get the squasher. All right. Let's do it. That was positively tight. I don't know why you guys. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> I don't know why you guys bother scripting anything for possum hunters. You should just give you a premise and off you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That, that that was actually uh, totally scripted. One hundred. That was Possum Hunters episode two. Oh right yeah, that was it. <laughs> uh, you don't even have to be on the Patreon for it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Uh, but yeah, so Lightsong's like, what do you think that the guy was after? And they're like, we don't know. I mean, we scared him away before he could get his goal. Obviously, uh, one of our men saw him fleeing back out the way he'd come. Which maybe Vasher went back out the way he came. It, he certainly didn't seem to be expecting to if he dropped down into a secret passage, but maybe maybe it was a secret basement, not a passage, and he turned around and left again. Was it a secret tunnel? Secret through the tunnel mountain. through the mountain. So they think that he might have been a burglar to sneak here to sneak into the gallery and steal the art. And you will remember that all of the art that gets sent to the gods is destroyed afterward. So I feel like you might actually be able to get some good money. Like that would be a rare piece that had passed through the court of the gods and not been destroyed. Yeah. Your precious art. That's only looked at for a second and then destroyed. Mm. Well, I think we talked about that, right? Like some of the priests might be on the take and like actually yep. selling that stuff in the black market and lining their own pockets. Well, that did. I think that did come up. Maybe that's what Vasher uncovered in the basement as smuggling a painting, smuggling ring. But uh light song is like, okay, yeah, that's probably what happened. Good, good work on this. But he is instantly sure that the priests are lying to him. Didn't know how he could tell, but he knew it. Some instinct he hadn't realized he possessed. And so he and Laramar get into a discussion where he's like, yeah, no Idrian broke in last night. And Laramar's like, well, I mean, sometimes the Idrians are known to come here and buy themselves some breath. Yeah, but have you ever heard of one using a lifeless? Idrians hate lifeless. Consider them abominations or some such nonsense. And he's like, why? And why do it anyway? You're going to kill one of the returned? It, they just get replaced, and there there are protocols in place so that even the lifeless armies wouldn't be without someone to direct them for long. So that's good to know. And so Lermar's like, okay, so you think it was a thief? No. A common burglar with enough money to buy breath that he can just waste on a lifeless for a diversion? No, whoever broke in here already had money. I don't know that Vasher has money, but he has a lot of breath, so that could turn into money if he needed it to. And why sneak into the servants' hallway? There's nothing valuable there. And Lermar's quiet for a minute, and he's like, that's some very solid reasoning. You're like, he's shocked. And Lightstone's like, I know. This is so weird. I need to go get drunk. You can't get drunk. But I certainly enjoy trying. And so Lightstone is kind of like galvanized here. Like murder in the court of the gods. And the priests are hiding something from him. This is interesting. This is something that uh, that I, I can sink my teeth into. I'll agree. I can also stick my teeth into it. It is interesting, Light Song. You finally become interesting. Way to go. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, I knew when we got to this chapter that you, it, it would uh, be a relief for some of you who have been like, Light Song needs to do something. He needs something to do. He's like he's like the kid. You go to the birth, kid's birthday party and there's nothing for you to do there, but you're there. And the kid's having a really good time. You know, it's like that. But now it's like the kid <laughs> learned. It's like the kid learned how to how to play piano really well, and now you actually do want to watch it. Yeah. He he says that a lot of alpha readers upon reaching this chapter said things like, I was really waiting for something like this to happen, or this is just what Light Song <laughs> needed. 
And he says, they were noticing something that I had also noticed, that Light Song needed something to drive him, something to keep him proactive that wasn't just a political game. So everyone is on the same page there, apparently. Light Song needed a thing, and here's a thing. So, okay, those were our two chapters. Let's move into predicaments. What do we think? What is coming up? Now we've opened up a couple of new story avenues, but like Joe, I think, mentioned, we didn't get any time with Siri or Vasher this time out, so... I don't know. Uh, what, what What's going to come next? I don't think I mentioned that, but it's true. I did. That didn't. That might have been Dak. Sorry. Yeah. No, no. I was thinking it. I just didn't say it. Yeah. Man, I, I feel like not enough happened in this thing to really formulate a theory for me beyond what I've already kind of talked about, which at this point it's been two weeks, so I don't remember all the things I said. But I will say getting some of that annotation information kind of fills in some weird blanks that I don't know that I needed filled in, but also kind of, I guess, rounds out the story some, uh, which is good. So we kind of know like Jules' situation and Claude's situation, which again, don't know that I wanted to know the complete situation, but there you have it. <laughs> and so, yeah, I really think there's something going on with Denth. I, I think Dax's theories were really good on that. Starting to lean that way as well. There's definitely something up with him. I don't know how much Tonkfa is involved. If Tongfa has always been a part of Dent's crew, then he may have been involved for a really long time. But it almost seems like Tongfa is out of the loop, or maybe he just doesn't care enough to be in the loop. So I don't know how long Tongfa has been pelling around with Dent and like how much Tongfa knows. Also, still really freaked out. Don't know what happened to that parrot. Kind of scary. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, I think they're definitely up to something. Don't know how much Tongfa is involved. Don't know how much Jules is involved or plot or whatever yeah so just just because i pointed it out and i need more predictions anyway i'm gonna say that there's something extra going on with claude some kind of lifeless thing that or maybe it's not just claude maybe all lifeless are reacting to a certain amount of biochroma within a person or maybe it's because she's of the royal blood but something about Vena is drawing claude towards to her I don't know if that's the amount of biochroma she has or because she's interest royalty and has like crazy royal power, lineage power, whatever that means. Seeing as how it's not blood related, supposedly lineage power, but something's something's pulling him towards her. And so we got that piece. Light song. Yeah, I really want to know what Vasher found in the tunnel. Hopefully we'll pick up with him next time. Could be a painting smuggling ring, could be something more nefarious or interesting. But I think I'm going to yeah, I'm going to stick with my theory that maybe the priests actually killed the, the one the one guard priest guy because he knew too much or something. I don't know. And so there's definitely something weird going on there. Not sure if it's all the gods have secret basements. That would be interesting if they did. But uh, if Lightsock didn't know he had a secret basement, which doesn't sound like Mercy Star knows about her secret basement, then uh, yeah, they got to be doing something, right? I'm also interested to get back with, with the Emperor and... Uh, and Siri, because definitely looks like a friendship of some kind is blossoming. She's going to teach him to read and stuff. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. I think I always assumed that even from the first appearance of the parrot, if you have a flying pet that's not in a cage or on a leash or something, I assume that 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 thing's going to leave at some point. Like it's it's <laughs> going to take off. It's like the Mitch Hedberg joke where it's like I, I wanted a parrot, but I got a tape recorder instead because it's like a parrot that doesn't fly away. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you're so, and, and again, they said he's not good with pets, but parrots, you know, you clip their wings so they don't fly away. So, yeah, I don't know. And the same thing happens like now that he's got a monkey that doesn't seem to be on a leash or anything. I'm like, 
<laughs> unless you've had this pet for a long time and trained it, that monkey's going to leave. Like it's going to take off when it sees food and you're not going to see it again. Like, maybe that's why he's bad with pets is like he doesn't buy leashes. I don't know. <laughs> he doesn't buy leashes. Is it is it is that going to be the running gag throughout this book? Is like he just keeps coming back with incredibly more ludicrous pets. <laughs> so Tongfa, what is that? A giraffe? Ah, Tongfa. One of the famous long-necked horses. <laughs> yeah. That the Kolos ride into battle. Wait, no, that's a different, different series, different planet. It's a. It, this is a or like rainforest or something type climate. So the parrot and the monkey make sense. What else? Like uh, you're gonna get like a python, a jaguar, yeah, jaguar. jaguar. Yeah. <laughs> Big cat. It's like he rocks up one day. It's like, oh, you don't have any pets today. It's like, no, I do. He holds up. I think I don't know what this is. I think they called it a bullet ant. No. <laughs> it's like, oh god, no. <laughs> well, and actually, there was uh, I, I couldn't mention it at the time, but there was a reference earlier where it's like, how many of you are in the crew? And they say three, unless you count pets. And Vivenna thinks he's talking about the the bird, but actually. It, Claude is being included in that reference, but in a God. subtle way, so Vivenna doesn't notice. That's even worse now. I know, right? So technically, so she's mean. sleeping with a pet. Yeah. Well, they don't. I, it, it almost seems like they don't count Jules as like a member member anymore. It's like, yeah, she's here because you know Claude. Wait, <laughs> Claude. Wait. So Jules is the pet? Sure. Is Jules Claude's pet? Is that how they oh, say it? Yeah. Just, it gets weirder and weirder. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. I think we should stop devolving. going down that path. <laughs> Agreed. Well, I'm going to jump in here. So my uh, prediction uh, I know now is not going to work out uh, with the revelation of uh, Claude and R-Steel. So I'll share it anyway and my thought process. <laughs> so I thought that maybe – like R Steel was Light Song. That's oh. where I was going to go with my prediction because maybe maybe he died pretty bravely fighting. I think Denth actually got him, not Vasha. Yeah. And seeing Denth move so quickly with the blade and all that sort of stuff today, that's kind of sealed that in for me, which must make it like way worse that he's still around now. <laughs> Yeah, maybe, I don't know, maybe Claude's trying to tell Vivenna, like, don't trust these guys. I don't know. But, yeah, I thought maybe Light Song had come back and that would sort of pan out. But, obviously, that's not how that, that went. But maybe Light Song was a detective or something. He's found his his purpose. You know, you mentioned that Arsteel was quite a talented swordsman and that he's now, like, the best swordsman as a lifeless Maybe if you keep, you know, what you're really good at, the difference, I guess, between the lifeless and the returned, maybe, maybe, maybe Light Song has those skill sets or something. Um, mm. He's definitely still smart. Like he doesn't come back smarter or anything just because he's a returned. So, yeah, that's, I think this is probably a clue into who he was before. And I think uh, Scoot is possibly seeing that. Some of his reactions were a little bit like, oh, like I'm, I'm, I'm happy that you're doing this. I don't know. Felt a little familiar, so yeah. maybe that's where maybe that's where that's going. Yeah. Other than that, I don't really have anything anything new. I was pretty proud of where I was going to go with my <laughs> prediction. One episode too late, but yeah, Denf. I I I don't think I trust him very much. Not quite sure what's really happening with the the Adrians. I'd sort of forgotten about the king until they mentioned <laughs> that he would have got the letter a couple of weeks ago. I was like, oh yeah. 
was like, would he listen to Mavenna and, and, and take her threat seriously and, like, not turn up? I don't know. Not sure really about him. I'm very curious about the the hair and the lineage and what this is supposed to be a clue about. Because at the moment, I think we've only seen people who can change their hair colour and they would have it as being a direct descendant of a king. But is it only if you're, like, first in line? You know, like, what happens if you're first in line to inherit the throne and then you have children? Mm. Are they then in line? Like, if you die and then it goes to someone else or... Like, do you then lose your ability to change your hair if you're no longer first in line? Or I don't know. I've got so many questions now right. about where this would go. Can the king's hair change color? I don't know. I think I think we definitely saw his hair change color. Siri and Vivenna I don't remember. Could, Siri and Vivenna both changed their hair colors before Siri was in line for any throne. So yeah, the way Vivenna says it is like her children will get the ability to change their hair color, but only if she becomes queen. So. It sounds like all of the children who, but, but it like Jamie has a good point because it does get more complicated. Just looking at like succession of the British throne where it's like, yes, the first child who's going to become king, his kids are, you know, next in line after him. Right. But then if all of them died, then technically the next in line is like his younger sibling. So they are still in line for the throne. They're just not like in this direct line. So do they not get the hair color? But then, yeah. What, yeah. <laughs> at what point do you go? Mm, yeah, that's probably enough people. If all these people get wiped out, then their hair can magically change later. But you yeah. don't need it now because you're too far down the line of succession. Like, <laughs> just yeah. I, right. Yeah. Does their magic? Yeah, does their it, hair stop changing color at a certain point? Like yeah. Like it's the same person. They their hair could change color from the time they were a kid, but now they're not in the line of succession, so it stops changing color. Or or yeah, the other way around, where it's like if if the firstborn and all their kids die. Does the secondborn's kids who are now like teenagers suddenly their their hair starts changing color when it didn't before? So yeah, I mean, yeah. So the place my mind went was um, I was thinking about uh like the crown of the king's speech and King George's successor his older brother who abdicated the throne. It's mm-hmm. like so it would have been for him and like oh maybe his brother and his kids didn't get it, but his but then all of a sudden he abdicates and it's like do they just mysteriously up oh, their hair just changes color now and he's mm-hmm. just. And you just imagine Colin Firth going, I am a grown-ass man and I do not need this. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to deal with this. Uh, but yes, uh, the, I, I went and looked back. Like, when the king sees Ciri riding her horse in or whatever, he gets all upset. And he it's like, even he can't cha- keep his hair from changing color when he's usually pretty good at maintaining it. So his, his hair definitely does. Yeah, okay. So, uh, you know, we're, we're looking at a, a family that they, they legitimately have a claim to the throne i wonder who else is going to show up somewhere who might have like if it, I, i'm just curious about the the comment of this will prompt questions or, mm-hmm. or whatever brandon said it's like who else are we going to see who will have that ability to change their color yeah. is it specifically the idrian throne has someone else in Hellendron got a claim to the throne does it know in the future if you're going to be king or queen or does it wait until you're promoted to that right. position. Yeah. Very curious now. I do I do almost feel bad now about telling you guys about Claude because I love this theory that like Light Song was really our steal and that could have that could have <laughs> gone on for a long time. It could have, but I'm kinda glad that it didn't because I would have been annoyed later. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't have much this week. I yeah. Uh like like I said, I think I think my I think my big prediction came out last week and maybe I just burnt myself out a bit. 
But yeah, I'm I'm not really sure. Best I could really do this week is like Grable. I feel like we might see him again making a play for um potentially making a play for Vivenna or possibly for Denth, and then he'll just be one of those villains who's like like oh you're here purely to show like what we can do, and then he he himself will die maybe um to really demonstrate Denth's strength like he brings a whole force in and Denth just slaughters them all as one. It's like, yeah, no, nothing can stand in my way. And then you get the sense that, oh, shit, Denth really is dangerous. Mm. So I could see Grable playing that because I feel like, yeah, with these with these little like characters, there's not quite villains, but they're sort of antagonists. It's like Brandon has a habit of either they show up one more time to demonstrate something for the plot or they're just never seen again. So, yeah, yeah, I figure that's that's where that's uh, that'll be. That'll be Grable. Beyond that, I really don't have anything. This is like this chapter. I'm just like, all right, let's just see how this plays out. I couldn't, I couldn't come up with anything more. Yeah, I, I, it's understandable. We, we, we've gotten some, some little interesting, like, like I said, avenues opening up in these chapters. But there's nothing. It's, it's hard to, to pick out. Yeah, it's like, you know, we see Light Song pick up this wanting to be a detective thing, but we didn't really get any more information than we already had about the break in in the process because we were there for it. So, yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I, uh, let's just let's just run with this theory that Tonk Fire will just come back with more and more ludicrous pets. Like the final the final climactic fight is interrupted by Tonk Fire and his new attack toucan. <laughs> Go leopard, get him! <laughs> yeah, a jaguar. That's what it was. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Let's uh let's let's take a look at. We have some new emails that I was uh, first actually for next time. We're gonna read three chapters. So it's 24, 25, and 26. For those following along. And now we have two new emails that I wanted to touch. The first one is from Krista. And Krista says, Hi, thought I'd give you a question unrelated to the Cosmere. Since I've been on a recent horror film binge, what is your favorite horror film slash film in general? And then P.S. Warbreaker is a fun read and I hope you'll enjoy it. Light Song is probably my personal favorite from the book. And that's the end of her email. So I figured I'd just cover it all. So favorite horror film or film. Oh, man. I have to think about this one. Yeah, I'm not really, um, I'm not really a, big, a horror person. Yeah, I'm also not a big horror film guy, and I definitely couldn't pick one film that is my favorite. So maybe I'll just go with the most recent horror film I watched. I most recently watched Evil Dead 2. And I like Evil Dead 2. Evil Dead 1 <laughs> is old, but not bad. But Army of Darkness is definitely my favorite in the trilogy. It's... It's, uh... It's more, I feel like it's more fantasy than horror. It's closer to fantasy than horror. Uh, so I, that's probably why I like it more. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I like, I like Army of Darkness. It's fun. Jamie, you're, you're, you're saying you're also not a horror person? Yeah, I don't know. I just like thriller any day of the week. Horror, oh, nah. It just gets a bit much for me, <laughs> unfortunately. Favorite film is also a pretty difficult one, but my... My one that I always come back to and I still get emotional is Apollo 13. I love that mm. film and I think it's just such an amazing story of overcoming like everything that's going against you to, you know, come together and, and bring people home safely. And I just thought it was an amazing film. The book by Jim Lovell as well. Also an incredible read. Yeah, beautifully done. I, oh, I still cry every time they make it back safe. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> that's... No, yeah, I mean that Apollo 13, good movie. W- w- I could, I was gonna say, it wouldn't be at my top, but I could totally see why it would be some pe- one of some people's favorites. Uh, it's it's funny you say that because there's 
some movies that it's like will get me every time that same way. And uh, I mean, you look at like up in the first five minutes and it's just like I can't even watch that yeah. because of that. But you said that, you know, Apollo 13 does that to you. And one of, I wouldn't even call it one of my favorite movies, but one where the ending gets me every time in that same way is Armageddon. Where um, oh, yep. Bruce Willis yeah. is like having the call with his daughter, and I'm just like, oh my god, it's it, it like gets me every time. But uh, you know, I I'm also not yeah. a horror person. I don't I don't like horror movies. Yeah, the la- yeah, a movie that does get me like that every time, even after the the crappier sequels was Force Awakens at the end when she holds the lightsaber out to Luke, oh. that got me every time for a while. I'd be like, oh my god. Yeah, but then he just throws it over his shoulder, so it's like whatever. Yeah, I try to like delete that from my brain. <laughs> But on the topic of horror movies, actually, as I at the beginning of my cruise, we started in Seattle and we got to Seattle a day early. So I was going to see a couple of the sites. Our hotel is right next to the uh, the Space Needle, which was nice. But it's also right next to the Museum of Popular Culture or Mopop, as it, it was called. And they have lots of props from movies and TV shows. And they have a whole sci fi section with lots of cool sci fi stuff like all of these Interesting props from, uh, you know, uh, Ter- Terminator, Ghostbusters, Stargate, Star Trek, all all sorts of amazing stuff. They also had a fantasy section with props from, you know, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings. For some reason, Batman Forever props were in the fantasy section. I'm not sure why that would have been. But they had an entire horror section. And for the most part, like I said, not really interested in horror. So I was looking through the pictures I took to be like, what was in the horror section that I was actually like, this is interesting enough. I, I like this enough that I would take a picture. So it was like the axe from The Shining was there. They had uh, alien, the alien outfit from Alien. And I'm not nice. a huge fan of Alien, but I do love Aliens, which is almost it's like more of an action movie than horror, really. But I, yeah. yeah, it's like sci fi action. Yeah, that's a good movie. I like Aliens a lot. They had yeah. Blade's outfit and sword from Blade. And uh, I don't even know if you'd call the first Blade a horror movie. I feel like Blade 2 is more of a horror movie, and I like Blade 2 a lot. So that yeah, might be my favorite. They're both sort of horror action. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But, but yeah, horror, like, horror is just sort of a broad True. Like genre in general. Because, I mean, yeah, like, the original Alien is a sci-fi horror. So is the original Terminator. Mm-hmm. And, like, like, yeah, like, you know, I love those movies. I can't, like, I'm not really a fan of slashes. I can appreciate what they do, but I'm just like, yeah, not really. Uh, yeah. You know, the, yeah. The original ha- original Halloween was fantastic, but the rest of them are just kind of just like, let's just find new and new and interesting ways to to fuck people up. Which I'm not going to criticize if that's what you enjoy watching. Go for it. <laughs> like, I mean, I like last couple of years, I have especially been on a binge of like Animal Attack movies, which some of those could be classed as horror. Some of them are more thriller, like the original Jaws. You know, some people call mm. that horror. Some people call it thriller. Sure. So I don't, it just depends on where you draw the line. Yeah. I don't know if I can really pick, honestly. For the the only one in my head I can think of, which I'd say this is my favorite horror movie, which is undisputably a horror movie, is probably It with um hmm. in in 2017. Oh, the new. Okay. Oh, you like the, that one? Not not yeah, the TV chap- special, but the movie. I haven't actually seen the Tim Curry one, honestly. Well, it's weird because the the Tim Curry miniseries, it was split into two halves and Tim Curry was it in the first half, but he wasn't it in the second <laughs> half. So it kind of like really throws you. Yeah. Oh, OK. Weird. Yeah. But yeah, you know, like I, I, I love I love watching the uh, the animal thrillers like Blackwater. We watched Crawl the other night with the alligators. That was fun. Yeah. No, I, I, I love I love those sorts of things. I saw Razorback recently, which is like. Australian Outback giant killer pig movie from the from the 80s. <laughs> 
Well, yeah, I, when you said Razorback, I assumed that it, that was what Razorback was referring to. I didn't realize that anyone had made a movie right. about that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, a lot man. of fun. I think, would recommend. Yeah, I think of like the slasher films, because I'm with you, Deck. I'm not a huge fan of slashers, but I do like the original Halloween. I think the first Nightmare on Elm Street is actually pretty good. Mm. Yeah. The, the first Friday the 13th is not good, but it yeah. is interesting in as far as how they made it. They did a lot of, of like new things in horror for that film. Which I thought was interesting. And then wow. even though this is a really goofy one, I really like Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. It's like weird, <laughs> off the wall, ridiculous. And it's just yeah. like, it's it's just kind of fun to watch because you're just like, oh, my God, what is going to happen next? This is crazy. Yeah. And I, th- I think that I think that's the crucial thing. Like If you're going in for me, at least with horror movies, I'm just like, it's got to be doing something interesting. It's not just another what's the body count going to be and what gruesome way right. are going to do it, which yeah. I think that's why the original Halloween worked when the others didn't so much was because it was all about the tension. And it's like you could see him in the mm-hmm. background of almost any shot and like you knew he was coming. You're just like, what the fuck? Mm. You're constantly yeah, on that's, that movie. is good. Yeah. Uh, a more modern I guess you would call them horrors. A more modern, like, slasher horror movie that I actually really enjoyed was uh, Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day to You. Those are uh, fun. Those are the, gra- the Groundhog Day loop ones? Yes, and they're actually yeah. pretty fun to watch. Interesting. Yeah, well, because I, I feel like the Groundhog Day loop is an interesting spin to put on really any kind of story, because there was that sci-fi action one with Tom Cruise, Edge of yeah. Tomorrow. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. What was... Uh... Oh, I lost my train of thought. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Grabbers is another fun one. It's like horror, it's a horror comedy about aliens invade, invading rural Ireland, but they're allergic to alcohol. <laughs> that okay, what was that? that uh, what was that horror movie where like Vince Vaughn is a killer and he switches body with the girl, so now he's in the killer. Oh, he's in the girl's freaky. body. Yeah, was that any good? Did anybody see that? I haven't mm-hmm. seen it, but I heard it was. I heard it was pretty good. I think, it looked like it had potential. I think the girl in it was the girl who played um, uh, Ant Man's daughter in the new Ant Man. Oh. Hmm. Hmm. Zach saying grabbers made me think of Tremors because of the Graboids. Ah, oh, uh, classic Kevin there's, Bacon giant yeah. ones. That, that, there's another movie that I'm like, I guess you could call it horror. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin Bacon was also in the original Friday the 13th. So there you go. Was also looking through my pictures, my favorite prop from that museum is they had Mr. Pointy from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the stake that she was. Uh, classic. Yeah, it's great. That was in the horror section also. But anyways, <laughs> So, yeah, interesting. No no, no giant horror fans on the show, I guess. Uh, but well, uh, I, I, I can make the argument that I am, depending on where you define it. Like, things like it, Psych- yeah. Psycho and The yeah. Shining, of course, they're classics. I love those. Hmm. Um, it's just... Yeah, it's just, I think we're just fans of film, like good film. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes bad film. But yeah, yeah, it's all good. Yeah, if it's so bad that it's good, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we got one other email. This one is from Peter. And Peter says, hey, I hope you're all doing well. Now that you're a fair way through the Cosmere, I wonder if you'd consider doing a segment on everyone's current book rankings. It might be interesting to see how everyone's lists compare and any reasoning behind them. Go well from Peter. Before we get into that, we have talked about that a little bit before, and I feel like everyone was kind of like, I don't know that I'm comfortable like ranking. Like it's it's like a whole it's it was a whole thing that we kind of yeah. touched on. So I don't know how much you guys mm-hmm. would be interested. I mean, I know I, I, of what we've read so far, I definitely still have my favorite like thing we've read so far, but yeah, as far as ranking them all, I don't feel like I could properly do it until we've read everything. And so that's not something that I feel comfortable like doing, but yeah. the I, I think the thing I've liked the most that we've read so far is still uh, six to the dusk. 
I would agree. I don't know if I ever told you guys, but they, he he released like the first part of a sequel to that. What? Yeah, like uh, Ooh. I mean, it's something we wouldn't be able to read for a while, and by then I'm hoping the actual sequel will have been written. But it was like, yeah, like the first chapter, or something of a sequel to that story. Very cool. Very cool. What about you, Jamie? I actually still really like the Lost Metal. I'm a I'm a big one for watching everything come together, and so it's it's hard to sit there and go, oh, I like this book better than this book because I sort of see it all as the one story anyway. Like it's, mm. it's a little bit difficult to do. Obviously, Mistborn, we've we've covered Mistborn, so it it is a complete picture, so it's a bit more satisfying. But I'm I'm actually really enjoying War uh, Warbreaker. But obviously we're not finished that yet. I also really liked we did the short story. Oh my god, what was it called? The one where like they were in basically their brains were in jars and a perfect state. Oh yeah, perfect state. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed perfect state as well. I feel like that could have gone like a lot further on that premise and still been really interesting. Hmm. I kind of forgot about that one. I, I it, since it's not like part of the Cosmere stuff that we're primarily doing, it kind of slipped my mind. But yeah, that's a really good one too. I think it's also just difficult to say, oh, you know, rank it. Well, all right. We've read eight books so far of which, like like James said, seven of them are part of one series. <laughs> it's true, yeah. Like, Elantris is the only outlier at this point until we finish Warbreaker. So it's just kind of, yep. oh, let's rank all, the, all, all these things from one series, and then we've got this one over here. Where do we yep. slot that in? I'm just like, that just seems like the odds are stacked against it a bit. Well, and even when we talked about just the Mistborn books, it was like, you can pick out your favorite and your least favorite, but like trying to rank them in a list, it was like, do we really want to get into that? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you, Well of Ascension is last, so. Yeah. <laughs> See, I actually have been thinking about it. I think if there's the, the full-length novel we read that I've enjoyed the least, it actually probably was Shadows of Self, looking back. Really? Interesting. I like Shadows of Self. Yeah, I remember just getting to the end of one, that one. I'm thinking, it's like, I'm just depressed now. Well, yeah. Yeah, it definitely That's ends on, like, a down right. note, but uh, but no, I, I still liked it. Yeah, I mean, it it's not, again, it's not a bad book, and I do intend to reread the series over again, and, you know, you obviously can't skip it, and I wouldn't even if you, even if you could, but I'm just like, by the end of it, I'm just like, this book was just mean. Yeah. Well, um, Ascension is kind of the same me, way. It also ends very down, so. It, it, yes, it, it does, but, like, but there was... There was enough awesome stuff happening in that book. It's like, yeah, mm. it was it was fewer and far between than I think any of us really would have liked. But there was quite a, a lot of stuff in there which I did enjoy. I still have fond memories of the headbutt of doom. I knew um, that's what you were gonna say. I was like, heads exploding. Yeah, that's gonna be a top yeah. of the list. Headbutt and, um, of doom, sure. Straff ventures death. Yeah. Yeah. Zane. Yeah. Um, cool. And you know, it's like the. Uh, Vin outrunning the horses at the start. The horses is like, yo, what the fuck? Um, <laughs> like, like stuff like that was still fun. It's just, like this is what I do. Yeah, I just don't think there was as much that in Shadows itself. And by the end of it, I'm just like, I feel just a bit exhausted by this book. I think at the end, it was just, mm. yeah, like it was, yeah. I don't know. I'm yeah. Sort of to me, to me, Well of Ascension. The reason it falls so short for me was just because it was like the pirates two of books it's like she releases this thing at the end and then that's the end of the book it's like okay release the kraken yeah yeah and like if i had been a reader at the time of brandon sanderson like when the book first came out i'd have been like what the fuck what like what <laughs> now i'm gonna have to wait till, for another book to come out like this is bullshit fortunately in that case i think it was only a year before the well, how, how long was between those now i'm gonna look yeah uh 
I almost searched for Way of Kings. That's not right. Well of Ascension. I took the kids to see Ruby Gilman Teenage Kraken yesterday. So Any good? It's it's extremely predictable and mm. it's like a story that you've seen a bunch, but it was fun enough. Okay. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah so, the, there was something Roger Ebert used to always say about movies, which I try and apply to any movie. It's like it's not what the movie's about, it's how it's about it. So it's like, yeah, I've seen this story a million times, but if they if they do it well this time, that doesn't make it bad. Yeah. So okay, sorry, I found it. It was taking me a second. So Well of Ascension, August twenty two thousand seven. Hero of Ages, October two thousand eight. So yeah, about a year. So those are our two emails. Thank you guys for sending emails. We have one new patron. At the ska level, it is Pim, P-I-M. Ah, Pim, you Pim particle-loving person, possibly, I don't know. <laughs> You're an archivist. You store that copper. Memories, good, good. Sure, okay. sure. Our buddy Sazed was a famous archivist. Thank you. Well, I mean, he was a full ferrochemist, but yeah, he, he did use that archivist power. Yes, I know he was a full ferrochemist, but his main deal, the thing he liked to do, archive. So thank you to Pim and all of our patrons. Uh, if, if you're interested, you can check out the Sander Lanch on Patreon, where the most recent stuff is the unboxing of the Cell Box and then the Frugal Wizard Box. But by the time this comes out, we I should have started releasing my read-through of the new Secret Project novel that just came out at the beginning of July. Had to delay my start because I was on my cruise at the beginning. Had to wait till it get to where I could record my reactions, but I have started it now. Since I got back two days ago and I've recorded several episodes already and edited the first one. So if you're interested in this, so this one is called Yumi and the Nightmare Painter. So you can hear my reactions to Yumi and the Nightmare Painter as I read it for the first time, which I really like great, that title. I think it's great cool. title. Yeah. Also, like um, the the digital pack that we got, obviously, I haven't read the like opened the PDF of the book. But uh, so I looked at the artwork and man, that is a pretty cover. Mm hmm. I don't know that I like it as much as Tress, but I agree that it looks very cool. I think the color, the color scheme is fantastic. Yeah, 100% agree. So yep, that's the kind of stuff happening on, on our Patreon. If you're interested, you can if you want to send us an email, the address is thesanderlanch at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter and Facebook, <laughs> Instagram, places like that, all around the interwebs. Music by Miracle of Sound, put that out there. Like I said, three chapters for next time, 24, 25, and 26. So for those of you reading along, thanks for listening. If you want to join the Discord, you can find it on the link on our website. There's another thing. We appreciate everybody, all of our uh, the emailers, the patrons, the people chatting on the Discord about crazy, insane things. You're all awesome. Three chapters for next time. And wasing to the time of next. Colo? Still haven't come up with something from this book to add to that. We're going to have to do that at some point. Uh, colors? Maybe colors. Yeah, I don't know where in there it would fit. Um, you know what I hate about being a mercenary? <laughs> Know what I hate, but I think to the time of next. Mercenaries? No.